0: Hello and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, Radio to Open the Heart, Heal the Soul, and Awaken the Consciousness. Good morning, everybody. Good morning and greetings from my off-site location. And you can see my, if, if you can see me, you can see my goddess Kuan Yin back here on the porch.
1: Looks gorgeous. Holding
0: space for holding space for me. I know. Oh, look, at, I got a star above my head. Look like at that. Woo-hoo.
1: You're the shining star in all of our lives. I am. Right?
0: I didn't I didn't actually do that on purpose. That's hysterical. All right. I think it's appropriate anyway. Thanks, Betty. No problem. <laughs> yeah, we're getting used to all this new technology, and part of me really likes it, Benny, and mm-hmm. part of me is like, I can't wait to hug people.
1: I know. So, well, we'll do a virtual hug yeah. for right now. That'll work, right? Oh,
0: all right, it's happening. There it is. <laughs> I could so feel it, and I send it out to everybody listening and watching the show. Anyway, uh, what a great, amazing week I had, and and uh, I had uh, over the weekend a, couple, a a whole lot of things. I did the uh, Temple of the Divine Feminine through virtual format, and it was intense. We had a wonderful, wonderful time. I do that once a month. It's my monthly class for the ladies, or the women whichever you want to show up as. And um, it will be happening again in May. And you can sign up at Oasis for all of that stuff. And then Saturday night, I did a Crystal Bowl concert virtually. We had a little problem with the sound quality, so I'm working on that. But I will be making all of those things more available to any and all of you that want to be, participate. And then I started a Sunday morning meditation with Loretta at 11.00 and have had a really good response to that. It's just a a way to check in and, you know, just meditate with me. I'll lead you on a meditation. We do a lot of things. We, um, relax and, and, uh, find out some information. So it's a good thing. Um, you can sign up at schedule.reikyoasis.com. And then I'm also going to be doing a workshop called awaken to love on Saturday, May 30th. And it's kind of coming out, I really do pay attention to what it is that everybody is asking me for, and I have noticed that a lot of you have been in your isolation pods with your loved ones, and some of you are getting along really well, and some of you are getting a little cranky, (laughs) squirrely, (laughs) something like that. Anyway, this workshop is designed to help kind of bring us all back into center, especially after all of the pandemic stuff, and um, remember that it's really all about love. And so if we can awaken to love, especially this uh, workshop is geared toward couples and relationships. And even if you're single, it's about finding that uh, other beloved. And also really it begins with knowing yourself. I think oftentimes we get in relationships and we're just constantly trying to change that other person or change ourselves to be the person that other person wants us to be or thinks we should be and none of that is really true and authentic to our own self so first of all is know thyself and then after that we can figure out (laughs) how to get along with others if we can we need to kind of play nice on the playground it's not always easy and then just a few notes about astrology because I really want to get my guest on the show today astrology we had a Taurus new moon yesterday on April 22nd what which reminds us that a grand new beginning is on the horizon. Taurus season is a busy season. There is a lot happening this next month, but the most notable thing is that we're going to have retrogrades and we have held all the planets moving direct for quite some time. It's been shoving us forward. And by the end of Taurus season, we're going to have four planets in retrograde. The first retrograde happens on the 24th, which I believe is tomorrow. And that is with Pluto. And this is actually a big retrograde. I'll talk about it more in just a second. On May 10th, Saturn goes retrograde, followed by Venus on the 12th and Jupiter on the 14th. And don't get all freaked out about retrogrades. People are always like, oh, my goodness, it's Mercury retrograde. But all that retrogrades really do is they they kind of slow things down a little bit and give us a chance to catch our breath and take a look at what we need to attend to before we move on. Now, Pluto, the big one happening tomorrow is the planet of death, destruction, and rebirth. And it has been very active since October of 2019. So just, if you can think back to what was happening last fall especially since October of 2019. And what has transformed or shifted during the time? What clues were given to you at that time that helped, made you guide, might guide your way? And what was going on that maybe you haven't completely addressed because you're going to be given a chance to address that. And by the way, um, this uh, Pluto retrograde goes until October 4th of this year. And so it's quite a long time and, and there's a lot of energy in this. Pluto is linked to power, control and wealth. And there's a strong energy supporting investigation, research and digging deeper in order to gain new understanding and knowledge. So we're actually might find that in October of this year, we are revisiting things that happened in April. So just be aware of that. Um, I think sometimes when we just have a little heads up, we're like, oh, that's what's going on. Let me just attend to that. And with Pluto Direct, when it goes direct in October, we're going to find it easier to make all the changes that we are in the process of making and to begin rebirthing anything that has crumbled. And I look at crumbling or renewing or rebuilding always as positive. Rebirthing gives us another chance and speaking of rebirthing whoa that was a great segue um, have you ever wondered about your past lives do they affect your current life and if so how and what does it feel like to die what happens in between lives these and more are some of the questions i get to discuss today with my guest joanne dimaggio m-a-c-h-t Joanne has been actively involved with Edgar Cayce's Association for Research and Enlightenment, the ARE, since 1987, and has been the coordinator for ARE Charlottesville since August of 2008. Joanne has been professionally pursuing past life research and therapy for over 30 years. She probably knows a thing or two. She's the author of six books. She conducts private sessions at the Unity Holistic Healing Center, of which she is the director. Joanne says her sole purpose is to observe, record, and disseminate. And in her own words, she says, I am a reporter for the universe. What a great job. Today, we're going to be discussing her book, I Did It to Myself, again, New Life Between Lives case studies show how your soul's contract is guiding your life. This book holds data from Joanne's year-long research project, which chronicles the journeys of 25 men and women who revisited their past lives, and they revisited the one most impacting them today, and they explored all kinds of aspects of it. Welcome to the show, Joanne. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, Loretta. I'm really thrilled to be with you. Yeah, and for some reason just hearing your voice makes me laugh.
2: So oh, no. we must
0: have <laughs> all I can figure out is we had past life together and we did a lot of laughing. I think <laughs> that's what it is.
2: <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> yeah. Never say never.
0: Never say never. Um that's a good thing to remember, by the way. There could be some bad things out there, but you know, hopefully, you know, if we're gonna go to the good. Yeah. Um, I would like you to tell us a little bit, a um, little bit more maybe about yourself. And for my listeners, I mean, I'm familiar with Edgar Cayce's um, Association for Research and Enlightenment. But could you give us a little bit of information about that sort of as a backdrop and a, a groundwork to stand on? Well, sure. Um,
2: I became involved with the ARE back in 1987. This was right after Shirley MacLaine's uh, book, Out on a Limb, became a mini series. Oh, Um, yeah. For those who remember that back in the day. Um, And I think that was the big wake-up call to a lot of sleeping metaphysicians. Because I had been interested in past life, work, reincarnation as a teenager, um, and having grown up Catholic and looking for something a little bit more logical as to why things were the way that they were. I started reading about um, Ruth Montgomery's books and... um, and about Edgar Casey, and so in 1987, when the miniseries came out and she was discussing her own past life journey, Shirley was, um, I thought, well, where can I go to become immersed in this material with like-minded people? And, of course, the ARE came to mind. At the time I was living in Chicago, the ARE is headquartered in Virginia Beach, Virginia, so now I'm only three hours away uh, in Charlottesville. Um, And so I became involved with the ARE and became a student of Casey's, really, started to study his readings. He did 14,000 readings in his lifetime, 12,000 of which were health readings. There were 2,000, however, that were life readings. And in those life readings, he would give people uh, at least, the the maximum would be about four of their past lives uh, to help them understand what they were dealing with today. So I became immersed in that material. I ended up uh, going to Atlantic University for my master's degree. Um, Atlantic University is affiliated with ARE. Um, and um, in the 90s, uh, got my hypnotherapy certification so that I could start actually doing the uh, regressions. Uh, but my thought was, as a writer, professional writer, I wanted to chronicle what was happening with people who would undergo a regression, and um, and that's what I, and I thought, well, I have to then actually do that part of it. So now I'm combining research uh, through the regressions that I do. So I've done several research studies. The one on the afterlife, which is in this new book,
0: uh, is the latest one that I've done. That is uh, fantastic. I, I have to say that it's it's kind of a funny thing with me um uh this will probably resonate with you when when i grew up my father was always reading these things and um you know like the science of getting rich you know that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but he got really into edgar casey and that's kind of where i i think a lot of my interest in everything that i do comes from and then I don't know what if this has anything to do with Edgar Casey, because it's coming up into my consciousness. We lived on a farm, and this is a terrible joke, but my dad had a funny funny joke. I mean, I, I'm a hypnotherapist. I do past life work, and I know you do too, but he used to have a mule. He named it Bridie Murphy. Oh, that was the first book <laughs> I read, his first for Bridie Murphy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why it's coming up. For the listeners, Bridie Murphy is one of the uh, I, I don't know if I, I want to say an iconic, but a very important um, story about past life regression work, and possibly some of the challenges of it, or the problems of it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's about a w- woman who regresses into an Irish lifetime. But uh, anyway, that kind of diverts from it. But it, it was it was popping up. I got a question for you, and and I I, I heard you say that you know. Edgar Casey only gave people four of their past lives, and I also noticed in the introduction that your your people that you did research on revisited the past life most impacting them today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a I think it's a good point, and I think it's an interesting point. So, not all of our past lives are currently affecting us.
2: Right. That's right. Um- Casey only gave four because he said, you can't possibly work on more than that. Um, So when I would do my sessions with people, I would ask their soul to take them to the life that was most impacting them now. So that would have been the past life in which uh, something significant happened, and it was so important that it made an imprint on their soul, and they brought it in to this lifetime to work on. So it could have been something that somebody did to them, something that they did to someone else it could have been a trauma could have been an illness uh, and it could have been something really happy and and joyous that happened that that they're still carrying with them um and so uh, we looked at that and because that is what they brought in now and i have to say i was surprised because many people think of this as linear that it's chronological oh you're working on something that happened in the lifetime immediately prior to the one you're living now. That wasn't the case. They, these people went back over a span of 2,000 years. So, um, you know, because only now were the circumstances right for them to come in and work on whatever issue is, whatever karmic issue that they still had to to work on and resolve. Um, and so, that's why I had some people going back to um, all different time periods. And um, the mo- most of them went back to the um, 19th century. I think about 36% in the study went back then. But I had about 25% that went back to a time prior to one th- the year 1000 A.D. So, um, like I said, it was all over the place uh, but they did identify that that lifetime that they that they're working on now, and they saw the parallels and uh, the patterns that they brought in with them, and
0: and through that we're able to do some healing work. I think that's fantastic work. I mean, I really just want to compliment you. Know, I just think it's fantastic work. You know, so many people get caught up in um, kind of what I call uh, I, I don't know what to call it, but but they just want to go back and see a past life because maybe they were somebody famous, right? Yeah.
2: Yes, the entertainment but, factor or the ego uh, factor. Um, and um, I've had some people who actually were uh, famous because those souls are coming back just the way, or, you know, Jane Doe's are coming back. But most people were Jane Doe or John Smith, um, very few. Um, uh, and, and the ones that actually had a famous past life are some of the most humble people that I have ever met. Um, and it was such an honor to work with them. Uh, The others who claimed to have been somebody famous uh, said they were somebody famous um, for sometimes um, reasons that that really boggled my mind. I had one who said she was sure she was Patrick Henry in a past life because he liked to talk and so did she.
0: (laughs) And I'm like, uh, okay, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, you bring up a really great point, Though um, <clears throat> there there are, um, you know, how do you respond to people who are like, oh, I know I was Cleopatra, and, and you're thinking, okay, that is the 2000th person that has said that mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to famous people, for instance,
2: if I have someone who says that they were Napoleon, um, mm-hmm. what I'll say to them is, okay, tell me. Are you looking at the crowds around you from atop a horse and looking through Napoleon's eyes at the people, or are you in the crowd looking up at him on the horse? Because many uh. people who who were contemporaries of somebody that was famous identify with them, and so then they sort of get confused. You know, they, they, yeah, they did see them. Yeah, they were there, but they were not necessarily that person. So it's uh, you have to do a little bit of digging. Uh, uh, and in the end, you know what, Loretta, it's not even important.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Because
2: um, it's, past life work is really about the present. It's not about the past. Uh, yeah. it's, it's what you're working on now and what you need to resolve uh, and get through so that your soul will grow and eventually you're going to graduate from the school that we call the Earth and uh, you won't need to incarnate again.
0: Yeah. Um uh, by the way I think your book and I want to remind people the book is called I Did It To Myself again I love how you lay out the book because you start out with um sort of like what I would call research statistics like okay here's here's kind of you know how many how many were regressed back to you know this era that era and you you really organize it in a way that it's <laughs> really interesting. It's very educational, I think, too. What was really your goal for this project? Because you've done other research projects with past Life. What was your goal with this one?
2: Well, um, there were a couple of things. One was that over the 30 plus years I've been doing this work, I've noticed a tendency among my clients to blame others for the way their life is going now. But I knew that they were the ones who carefully planned this lifetime because they wanted it to correspond to lessons that their soul needed for growth. So I was hoping that if they saw that for themselves, if they realized I'm the one that planned this uh, out, that they'd embrace their life maybe from a whole different perspective. The other thing was I wanted to compare the existing research uh, about life between lives with what I had experienced and mostly what the Casey teachings had to say about it. Uh, because I was finding, as I was re- researching what other professionals had done in this field, I was finding myself writing the word "no" with an exclamation mark in the column uh, in the book, and I thought, "Well, this isn't like me to be so uh, pompous, you know." And, and to, but it but it didn't feel right. It it didn't seem like it was it, it corresponded to anything that I had experienced in my. Uh, my time and, and with the, the Casey readings and some other researchers that I respected. And then the f- third thing was I wanted to see if there was a common experience among everybody. You bring together, t- uh, well they don't see, they never meet the 25 people in my, in my study, plus the people that I the clients that I had seen over the years because I included that research, they'd never met each other. If they then would describe to me the exact same thing, that the other one described in terms of what what does it feel like to die? What does the afterlife look like? Do you see a gateway? Are there guides on the other side? Do you meet up with your family? Do you pick a body? All of those questions, if they're saying basically the same thing, then I was hoping that it would give some comfort to people who have a fear of death because when you read their experiences, it's not scary at all. matter of fact, it's something you may actually... Um, look forward to. So I wanted to see um, if there were correlations between everybody's experience um, or not. And so this, I created this research project to
0: hopefully accomplish those three things. Oh, I, I love how well you laid that out. I, I've got a question. You you mentioned um, um, other researchers like Edgar Casey and Dr. Michael Newton. What are I, I don't know if this is a good question or not. Maybe it's too broad. But what are some of the things that you came up with that they hadn't come up with? You know, like where you're writing no over there and <laughs> you find something. Well, you understand the question? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, there were a couple of things uh, that I found. For instance, um, in the, in Dr. Newton's work, he classifies souls as young, new, uh, yeah. beginning soul versus uh, or old soul versus uh, uh, an advanced soul or young soul. Uh, from the Casey material and from my own research, I've always told people there's no such thing as an old soul. Old souls to me are just slow learners. Um, <laughs> we, we all were created at the same time, all created at the same time. I think that the term gets confusing because you'll see people that'll look at a a child, for instance, who seems wise beyond their years, like, oh, he's an old soul. No, he's just been on the earth many more times than you have. And so he's accumulated a lot more wisdom in those times on earth. So that, to me, was one differentiation. Another one was that he said that souls are not perfect. Um, He referenced them as being impure and contaminated. I was thinking, well, if we're impure and contaminated, what does that say about our creator? Um, so that that was one of the, the sticking points for me. And then there were others, but he also said that a soul that committed a heinous act was not permitted to return. Um, and that they were sent to this place of isolation and they're under close supervision. That didn't make any sense to me either, because how can they balance their karma if they can't come back? You know, right. there's no penal colony for souls. Um, and Casey said, whatever is begun on the earth must be completed on the earth. So those were some of the, um, the things that I, that I found um, uh, not in line with what I had discovered in my research. Which, by the way, I, I like doing research because I don't want to be the one to get out there on a soapbox and say, look, people, this is the way it is. I want you to hear it from other people. From people that um, from all walks of life, uh, all religions, all professions, all different ages, male and female, let them tell you their story, and then you come to a conclusion. So that's why research for me is so important when I'm doing these kind of
0: books. Well, and and like you so uh, uh, clearly pointed out, your participants in this research project did not meet each other and did not know each other. Right. So. they're they're not going to be talking about it or influencing each other. And um, I also know, and you point this out in your book, that the way that you ask questions when you're doing this type of research is really important. And um, so what are some of the challenges of this? Is asking the questions, one of those challenges? Do you have others?
2: Absolutely, yeah, because I noticed that um, in Dr. Newton's work, which, by the way, I really admire Dr. Newton. I'm not attempting to negate. And he even said in his book that that he realized that there were going to be researchers coming after him who were going to take this to a different level. So I like to think that I'm just continuing his work. Um, but there were some things that, that not only I found a little concerning, but other past life therapists that I've spoken to even some people that were involved in in his his institute and and who knew of his material. For instance, you have to be careful and not ask a leading question. So instead of saying something like, before you is a gateway or an entry portal, I would ask, do you see something that looks like a gateway or an entry portal? This way, the, the, the the research subject could say no if they didn't see it, and we'd move on. Otherwise, you is a gateway, they're going to feel obligated to manufacture in their mind's eye a gateway or an entry portal, because I'm implying that's what's in front of them. And that mm-hmm. would negate the research altogether, because it would be a fabricated response.
0: Right. Yeah. So I think we're, this is a great time to take a little station break, uh, Benny. If, if you're there, I'm sure you're there. And uh, this is Loretta Brown with the Loretta Brown Show. My guest today is Joanne DiMaggio. And we're talking about, I did it to myself again, new life between lives case studies show how your soul's contract is guiding your life. So when we come back, we're gonna talk more about that soul contract and how all that gets set up. Don't go away.
1: Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. During these challenging times, there's a place that provides vet care for people who cannot afford it. It's called Co. Pet Clinic, and it's been providing veterinary and wellness care for thousands of pets in the Seattle area since 1986. This includes access to spay and neutering, which is a requirement for all pets. If you'd like to find out more about Co. or to make a donation, visit Co. That's D-O-N-E-Y C-O-E dot org. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150 KKNW.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take all Alternative Talk 1150, anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Alternative Talk 1150, here
0: to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown show, and I am Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the Greater Seattle area for ooh 26 years. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyway, uh, find out more about me at uh, com or at uh, the KKNW Loretta Brown archives. You can schedule everything at schedule.reikioasis.com and I am doing a lot of things virtually. I have clients all over the United States and so if you're interested in a session, I do all kinds of things. You can email me at reikiasis at gmail.com and find out more about me. My guest today, Joanna DiMaggio, we're just having such a fun time. Um, She is a researcher. Uh, She is a reporter for the universe, apparently, and does all kinds of amazing things. She's written six books. We're talking about I Did It to Myself again. We're talking about reincarnation, past lives, and how they affect our current lives. In your um, research, you used a combination past-life regression with a life-between-lives session. Right. Why was the past-life portion so crucial to your study?
2: Because I need, I wanted to identify what it, the issue was that they're working on now, and that was the only way to, to do it, um, uh, to go back to the life that was so significant that it left, an imprint on their soul and then they in turn decided that this was the right time to work on that particular issue. So it could have been an issue of abandonment, could have been an issue of responsibility, uh, it could have been a relationship issue, There's all, all sorts of issues that, that were pending them. It's, it's like taking a class over again that you didn't pass the first time. So um, we explored that. Also, I wanted to uh, them to be able to remember their final thoughts as their soul left their body because many times those thoughts set up the next lifetime. I'll give you an example. I had a woman, Hmm. not in my study, but I had a, a client who had psoriasis from head to toe. She came in wanting to know what was the source of the psoriasis. She went back to a life in the Old West in which she was a call girl. When she died in that life, her last thoughts were, I don't want to be touched again. So in this lifetime, she manifests a skin condition in which nobody wants to touch her. Oh. Yeah. So um, so that's why it's, it's really important um, that they express what their, their thoughts are, because those thoughts are very powerful. Um, and many times there's things like, I should have loved more. I should have done more. I abused opportunities. You know, I wasn't kind enough. Uh, those sort of, of thoughts linger and because thoughts are things, as Casey says, and uh, they will have an influence on a future lifetime. So be careful what you're thinking at that moment of death. (laughs) Glad I'm gone? No. (laughs) Probably not, huh? No. Um, No, You know, you're probably envisioning the
0: next body you're going to occupy. You know, which brings up such a – I mean, there's so much – um, to to cover here in in what you discovered in this research project but that moment of death um, and also because I'm thinking you know in your book for the listeners you really have everybody's story like you put it together in such a great way and you organize things so that you can hear from all of the people in response to a certain question or um idea that you're you're exploring like like the council of elders which we'll get to in a minute but then you also put everybody's story at the end of the book so you can actually just read through everybody's story and it's it's actually quite fascinating um they died at all different ages um they could be men or women i think this is important for people to understand and then like what you said we don't actually do lifetime after lifetime necessarily in order We might go back and forth or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, How did most of your people respond when you asked what it felt like to die?
2: Um, They said it was a gentle and painless process. They felt a sense of freedom or a sense of release or relief. They were fully conscious and said it was a positive experience. Now, some said they felt like they were being squeezed out of their body or yanked out of their body, a hard yank, uh, that when their soul left the physical body. Um, 92% said they could move around freely. Most souls left immediately. You know, you've, you ever see these mm-hmm. um, movies mm-hmm. or documentaries about near-death experiences, and they show the soul kind of floating around on the ceiling, watching everything that's going around? Most of my people, 92% said they left. They didn't hang uh-huh. around. Uh, and uh, Now, those that had a traumatic death, and i chronicled some of those in the book, they left their body before physical, their soul left the body before physical death actually took place so that they avoided the trauma of that uh, and the pain. I had one who had been um, a, a female slave in uh, the 18th century life and was whipped to death. And oh. he he was he's a he now said that her soul left that body before before she was dead to avoid that that pain. So um, and I've I've experienced that with other people as well. But mostly everyone said that it was um it was quite pleasant. It wasn't. Uh, and I've heard people also say that it's uh, much easier to die than it is to be born. So. Oh. Now you've all been born and you've all experienced that, so this this should be a piece of cake for you. <laughs> I don't mean to make light of it, but I'm just no, no, I'm a, no, no, from no. the point I... of view of of what what these people in the study had, had said to me.
0: Yeah. Well I think it's uh I think it's a good point. You know, we have so many fears. Mm-hmm. And we fear so many things, right? And of course right now we're in a pandemic which is global and raised all kinds of emotions all over the planet and oh, so yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's a really important conversation we're having. Like, you know, what what does happen to us after we die? What what you know do we go on? Are we just done, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, so what was your experience of your participants? What what is it? What's the afterlife look? Afterlife look like for them? What well, did they experience?
2: Yeah, I took them from the moment of death, so the soul is leaving. You know, we we got their final thoughts. Now the soul is leaving the body. What does it feel like for the soul to leave the body at the actual moment of death? Then we went to uh, heading into the afterlife. And and at that point, people said, again, that it was a very freeing experience. They felt no judgment, no right or wrong. There was total equality. And some of them described it as simply a shift of frequency or a swirling energy that traveled uh, fast and far. They had a sense of flying. And floating, they saw vivid colors and beams of white light. Um, and then from then from there, they go to the gateway. This is the the entry portal uh, into the afterlife, something like what you remember from stories about Saint Peter being at the pearly gates. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to see if Saint Peter really was there, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he wasn't people uh but anyway 52
0: percent of the people said that they um it doesn't take a book for your name you know i i wanted to stand there with a book and go yes
2: loretta yes yeah you go to my left you go to my right you know right uh anyway um but 52 percent said that they did see something like a gateway or an entry portal Mm. but those who didn't still had a starting point of some sort so it might have been a, a path, or a cloud, or a stream of energy, and some people actually cre- saw things like uh, that they saw on Earth, like a chalet, or a Greek temple, or a marketplace. Um, so that's what they described. And then, you know, then we went into, well, was somebody there to welcome? Did you have a welcome home committee that yeah, met just you at ask the you. at the gate? And uh, and so that was like the next question. And then we talked about. What does your spiritual home actually look like like where what's your base camp? where Where do you stay? Where are you based? And so we talked about that as well. And this was all before they got to go to the Council of elders. So, um, so yeah, there's there were quite a few steps in in there that we explored that have been outlined in different chapters in the book.
0: So in the book, you you tell everybody's answers to those questions like, Was there a gateway? And and if I'm hearing you correctly, and I have read your book, some people did see a portal or a gateway of some kind and some did not, but there was definitely a starting point. And then as far as being greeted, um, you know, I've had people tell me that, uh, you know, when they when they die or, or people that sometimes attend when people are uh, uh, dying, you know, when they're transitioning out of the body, that there will be family members around. Did any of your participants mention family members? They did a a
2: little bit. Yeah, they did. uh, The first thing that I asked them was, um, well, 88% said that they were greeted by some sort of a guide. Uh, And um, they recognized that guide from before. Some of them were, family members, but most of them were what I would describe as an angel or an ascended master, somebody like that, that had always been assigned to them. So it's like, you know, in Catholicism, we talk about guardian angels. Uh, so they all said that they felt welcomed and safe. There was this joyful reconnecting. Uh, they felt compassionate, love, um, And... Some had nobody waiting for them, and I thought, "Oh, do they feel left out? Are they sad?" And they all said the same thing. They said, "No, nah, I've been here so many times. I know exactly where I'm supposed to go." So <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> you
0: know? I'm back home. I'm fine. Yeah. don't Just, worry about it. Get out of it. the way. Yeah. Get out of the way. I know where I'm
2: going. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, yeah. Go
0: ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say I've had um, two, and uh, two, I'm going to say two and a half three near-death experiences, and they've all been a little bit different, but one of the things that so permeates me is the sense of peace and love and welcoming and light and goodness, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Anyway, go ahead, please. Yeah, okay. then they, they have a
2: debriefing session, what I call a hmm. debriefing, which is, uh, you could call it an orientation session. Um, it's optional, uh, and... I think 84% in my project attended such a session. Uh, 16% decided to bypass it. Uh, so, because <laughs> they don't need it. <laughs> they don't need it. I, I don't want to talk to anybody. Get on with it. Um, those who met their guides, you know. So you, anyway, you meet your guys and you go somewhere. So they say, oh, we went to a garden, or I, we did it on the steps of a temple, or we're in a bench. We're sitting on a bench. And then the conversations always started with a welcome message from their guide, uh, followed by a back-and-forth Q&A that was about the previous life. So um, the guides would offer a compassionate explanation of why certain things happened in that life that they just concluded. Uh, And then sometimes they gave the soul a little pat on the back for a job well done, or they comforted the soul if, if it was in need of a little TLC at that point. So um, I've included the ones who did have a conversation with their guides, I've included that that actual conversation uh, in the book. And then at that point, then they go to see the Council of Elders.
0: Wow, that, that Q&A or that, I always call it the life review, right, where they get to take a look at it. And uh, I love the fact that a guide is there helping them because, yeah, I can imagine – some of this stuff, like even me still in my body looking at my life, sometimes I'm like, "Really,
2: Loretta? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. yeah. Why did that happen? What was the yeah. purpose of that? Well, you know, what's I what's think that was the worst that? life that I just led, and I'll go, no, 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 there was a lesson in it for you. So they help to clarify yeah. uh, things, the questions you had that you didn't get answers to before you left that physical
0: plane. Yeah, I think it's very important. Very important process, very compassionate process. Um, So can you please tell us who and what is the Council of Elders? I love their title. (laughs) Um,
2: The Council of Elders is a group of wise beings and ascended masters. They've been with you since the beginning. Some have incarnated in previous lifetimes with you. Others have always been in spirit. They're like guidance counselors at your school. So they review your progress. So it's like they have your report cards in front of them, and because um, I always use the analogy of Earth as a school, so we come here mm-hmm. to learn. Different, we take different classes, uh, and those classes become our, you know, our karmic issues. Uh, so I'm going to take a class in abandonment, or I'm going to take a class in approval, and, and or I'm going to take a class in greed, or whatever. So they review your progress, just like guidance counselors do at school. But they have their eyes on the bigger prize. They have their eyes on the completion of your earthly sojourn and your graduation. So most of them appear as ordinary people, and this is what's interesting to me because in Dr. Newton's work, he said absolutely nobody saw a biblical character.
0: I was just going to I ask had
2: that. a ton of them in my in my uh, Jesus. Mary, Mary Magdalene, Moses, different angels um, that would appear on their council. But others said they saw just ordinary people, looking like ordinary people. Some said they were animals or nature spirits. Um, but in any case, they were all loving and non-judgmental because uh, they know exactly what we're working on, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so there's no escaping the truth with them. You can't pull the wool over their eyes and say, oh, no, 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 I didn't do that. They know exactly what we did. Um, they don't show any impatience, but they work with the soul to find solutions. So we work with them and we make a list of our karmic issues as well as our karmic attributes, and then you design the next life accordingly. So they're giving you valuable life advice before sending you on your way. So you're not in this alone. You don't, um, you don't have to be in this alone, I should say. Uh, so, um, so it's just like uh, guidance comes, okay, these are your classes. Here's your curriculum. We'll put it in your backpack and send your little soul back to earth. Of course, you do a few things before you do that, but that's basically the way you, could, um, you can uh, compare it to a, the experience of a student in school.
0: Yeah, yeah. How many? How many um, elders are on that council of elders? Well, it or, depends.
2: In my in my in my research, they identified between five and twenty. Um, oh. They had fifty-four percent were male, thirty-two percent were female, eleven percent were androgynous, and six percent, three percent rather, were either nature or spirit entities. Almost oh. all of them wore ropes. You know, when they were describing the council chamber, some of them were were, were saying that it looked like a, a a jury, or that they were in a court of some kind. Um, and so at first they were worried that they were going to be judged. Uh, and that's that's <laughs> not. And the fact that they all wore robes, you yeah. know, robes indicating a sense of power, and and uh, um, and most everyone identified a gray-haired man with a beard course Um, and uh, but some like I said some of them were biblical characters some of them were kind of funky characters they had really bizarre names and uh, but but many of them were just um, ordinary ordinary folks so um, uh, yeah so I I had them actually uh, identified the uh, had them go from left to right and I said, describe this one does he reveal a name Um, you know uh, and some of them gave up after a few and said, okay, I've given you the first three. I can't do the rest. Uh, so it didn't really matter. I was just curious about about who who was sitting there uh, with them. So it was really interesting.
0: Yes. I, I, I have to say I'm naturally curious. I would have been wondering the same thing. Like, oh, my goodness, tell me, who's there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand that it seemed a bit intimidating at first, but that really this this uh, council of elders was there to help help the soul, help the individual uh, determine what they were going to be doing in their next lifetime. And so, how do they how did how did they figure out what their mission was going to be? I mean, it sounds to me like it was like a joint venture, like mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like like maybe the soul would say, you know, I I need to work on being more compassionate or whatever, like. Tied into the last thing they said when they died. It's a okay. question.
2: Well, we tied it. In, we we divided it into make a list of your karmic issues. I wanted them to give me bulleted uh, items that they felt they had to work on. So, some of them would say anger. Others would say guilt. Somebody said forgiveness. Uh, others would say humility, authenticity. They would give me a, a, They would get a list working with their, their guys because they're looking at that last lifetime, right? So they're thinking, okay, what is it that I didn't master? What is it that I still need to work on because I didn't quite get it? Uh, so they make that list. Then on the, on the flip side, they make a list of all their karmic attributes. Now these are positive, what I call positive bank account items that they have deposited over all of their lifetime. So some of them now, these are items that they've already uh, they've completed. They don't have to work on these anymore. So some of them would say leadership or intuition or compassion or empathy or uh, healing or creativity, something that they have in that karmic bank account for all time. They can pull on that any time they need to. So they're not only bringing in these karmic issues, but they're bringing in some help. In, in the form of these attributes, so, so they can use those to work on the um, the issues. And then from there, they go into des- uh, deciding what their soul's mission is. By that time, they know exactly what that their soul's mission is, so I'll ask them, define it to me in, in, in one sentence if you can. So then they'll say, I'm coming in to be a teacher of peace, or I'm coming in to spread unconditional love, or help people living with challenges or um, to be a light on the path, something like that, be a peacemaker, a teacher, whatever. Uh, they know at that point exactly what
0: they're going to be working on. Got it. Yeah. Um, I love this process. I We've got about five minutes, four or five minutes left. I want to make sure that we say some things about the soul contract Mm-hmm. And and also about the selection of bodies because I think these two things are really important. So well, the, the how, soul's mission. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yes, please go ahead. The soul's mission is basically their contract. So once they define that, that's that's what they're that's what they agreed to do in the next lifetime. Um, to do that, they choose their parents. They choose and members of their soul family come forth. To say I'm going to come in with you in that lifetime, and this is what I'm going to help you with. Um, They pick a body. Uh, They um, some of them. uh, And by the way, it's very rare for them to return to their biological family. They're usually born into a completely different family. Um, They pick whether they're going to be male or female. Um, Usually pick one or the other, one over the other, about 75% of the time. So. I've been predominantly female in my life, but there's others who have been predominantly male. Um, Casey said, gender is based on what you want to accomplish in the the life. So they select a body for for its challenges or its privileges. Um, Some of them want a a, a body that's close to the one they had in their previous lifetime. So then from there they go into a prep class, um, and that's where they're given memory triggers things, Mostly, what you think of a memory trigger is déjà vu—things uh, that that'll that'll come up in the next life. That's going to remind you of your past life and help you to identify people that were from that life that are in your life now. Uh, and so, from there, they um, go to the exit portal,
0: and all aboard the train <laughs> back to Earth. Down you go. I you
2: go. I
0: really really recommend people read this book. You know, I I do a lot of work with people and. Many people have body image issues or they're like, why do I have those parents or what were those people in my life for? And to be able to go back and take a look and go, like you say, the title of your book, I did it to myself. Again, there's a selection process and and, and it's, it's fascinating. It's a selection (laughs) process for the body, the different ways. That is really, really fun. And uh, I've got kind of a question to throw out there, which you may or may not be able to answer. You know, many people talk about, you know, here we are, we're here for these times, like this global pandemic, and, and maybe it's the end of the world as we know it, which it probably always is. But do you believe that we're here by choice? Could this be, you know, we talk about soul families, mm-hmm. and ultimately, we're a global family. Right. Um, right. Would this pandemic, you know, possibly fit into a an agreement by all souls to go through it?
2: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, okay.
2: you have free choice. You, uh, you know, um, when you're in when you're in spirit, you could get a little cocky, and you know, you say, "I'm going to go back first, <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to pick a time when it's going to be holy hell, and uh, I'm going to you know, I'm going to I'm going to experience that for my soul's growth. I'm going to experience that for what I can do for others, uh, or whatever reason there may be. Also, there may just be a group of souls that. Um, are meant to be here to lead us out of this, uh, yeah. or to help us to uh, integrate with it. Uh, so yeah, I totally believe that, that this is nothing is random in the universe. That,
0: yeah,
2: you know. So yeah. So that's that's the way I look at it. Although I think it'd I be really. Pl- I don't. I don't
0: get why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember signing up for this. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I got it. So we're down to less than a minute. And can you, Joanne? Can you please tell people where to find you and Um, and where to find your book, excuse me. Sure,
2: well, I have a website. It's joandamaggio.com. That's
0: J-O-A-N-N-E-D-I-M-A-G-G-I-O.
2: And on that website, you'll find information on on the different kinds of uh, regression sessions I offer via Skype uh, or Zoom and um, and upcoming speaking engagements, which right now uh, are on hold, obviously. And then my books. Uh, I have... uh, Uh, several books that are on my website that you can read about Um,
0: they're all available on Amazon thank you thank you so much this is Loretta Brown my guest today Joanne DiMaggio and um, I think you need to get a past life regression everybody and find out what's your mission why are you here now anyway love to you all take care of yourselves and uh, keep smiling